I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's up, guys? Alex Contreras alongside Tyler Wilson and Jonathan Burnley. Is that Burn- Burnley? Can you can you correct me on that? No, you're all good. Jonathan Burnley is spot on. Yeah, I got it right. Welcome to another episode of Marlins Barbecue. We're really excited. And what more exciting than a Marlins W? We just came. We hit the freaking Braves in the mouth. We punched them in the face. And we took game one of the series, five to four. Uh, Jose Ureña pitched five innings. He did his job. He gave up three earned runs. You know, uh, what did you guys think? Tyler, let's go around the horn. Tyler, what did you think? So, number one thing, I think to me, Jose Urena coming off of the COVID-19 injured list and then coming out and only allowing three to the red-hot Atlanta Braves offense. It wasn't beautiful, but he got the job done. Yeah, it wasn't beautiful, but yeah, it definitely got the job done. Uh, Jonathan, what what about you? UK time, you guys across the pond, you stayed up late, see that Marlins W. Yeah, it's always worth it when there's a W at the end of it, even when it goes into extras. Um, Jose did his job tonight, just got to keep it close. He's operating as fifth starter right now. We're not expecting him to pump in, you know, eight innings of, you know, no earned run ball. That's That's not his job in this part of the rotation. His job is to be an innings eater. He managed to eat five as he pitches more and builds his, his health back up after his, his spell on the uh, the IL, then he's going to be able to go deeper into games and get through a few more innings and save the bullpen because there's only so many bullpen games the Marlins can have right now. We don't want to be relying on five innings of relief um, too many more times, particularly with all the games we've got coming up um, over the next 20-odd days. But... Yeah, well, I'll take five innings and three earned runs from every Jose start the rest of the way because our offense should be able to get those back and then some. I mean, right now the Miami Marlins need all the pitching help that we can get. Um, we're going to go on uh, 28 games. We're going to play 28 games during the next 24 days. So it's a, it's going to be a crazy stretch. We're going to have three double headers. We're going to have two against the Phillies coming up. And uh, really, man, the Marlins are in great position. We got lots of depth. And uh, if it weren't for that depth, I'd really think that I would I would throw a flag. All of Marlins Nation would be panicking. But we can say that the wheels are staying together. The wheels aren't falling apart. There's still hope. Jose Ureña, hell of a job. Super impressive. Like, he really made his first start against the, the potent Braves offense. And to limit them to three, three runs was great. Uh, one thing touching base on is that how funny was it that he hit Ronald Acuna? Like, ew, like, I can't believe he hit Ronald Acuna. It was not on purpose. 97 and a half miles an hour from Arena. And he hit him again. And going back to 2018, like, that wasn't on purpose either. And if anything, Ronald Acuna should think freaking Jose Urena because back in 2018 
Ronald Acuna didn't wear an elbow guard. Now he wears an elbow guard. And he got hit right where that elbow guard is. So what's his whole show about? Oh, now pitchers can't pitch on the inside part of the plate? Like, what is his whole deal? That's not just for the Marlins. It goes for everybody in Major League Baseball. You got to try to control a player like Ronald Acuna. Like, he's such a freaking prima donna. I'm sick and tired of this guy, bro. Like, he's so talented and I love it. But damn, dude, you can't tell me you can't pitch in the inside part of the corner. Sometimes it's going to slip and they're going to hit him. Tough luck, dude. Move on. Yeah, you want to get on his hands. You want to brush him back off the plate. And, you know. You don't, you don't want that dude you, you don't want that dude to extend his arms. If he extends his arm, he's going deep. That's the last thing you want to do. You want to chop him. You want to you want to jam him. That's everything that's everything that you want to do with him. So, but you make that, a great point about that about that elbow guard because if he wasn't wearing that elbow guard and he wasn't just there adjusting it, stood off second base, Jose wouldn't have been able to spin around and pick him off. Oh, and that, that was that was the beauty of it. Like, I loved how it was like, he got creative with it, bro. He got creative. It's like, all right, what do I do? I can't punch him out. So, hey, you know what? Boom, he plunked him. No big deal. Boom. Turns over, picks him off. You know what I'm saying? Acuna thought he was going to have the last lap. He's like, oh, I'm going to steal second base. Okay, cool. You steal second base. But Ureña didn't keep his eyes off of him, and got he got the payback, baby. And that was nice. That was that's 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 love. That's lovely revenge for me. Yeah, and I mean, did you actually see him actually say, I got this? And then the moment he took it, then Jose Arena just responded with just picking him off. I'm really interested. I want to see this again. I want to see Jose Arena versus Ronald Acuna again because I really think it's a ticking time bomb. Like one of these, they they don't like each other. For some reason, they like, just do not just, like each other. It's just, it's just, you know what it is? It's like Acuna is a fiery guy. You know, Urania is a bulldog. He's got the bulldog mentality. This is a guy that was an opening day starter for this ball club for two years in a row. And, like, he has that fire. He has that passion. He's not trying to go in here and trying to hurt anybody. Like, it's part of the game. He's just trying to control the inside part of the plate. That's all it is. Like, Acuna's got to stop taking all this shit personally and just go up there and bat. Like, if anybody else hits him, like, I know if Roger, he does that to, like, Roger Clemens or a Pedro Martinez, they're going to go right back inside and make him back off the plate because that's their plate that's what a pitcher has to do like you, you're not going to tell the pitcher like this happened the other time um i can't remember who was pitching but it was it was marcelo zuna it was when the braves were here and then eliezer hernandez lilo hernandez was pitching and one slipped and he almost hit ozuna and ozuna got upset and he started going off on him and it's like oh what now guys can't pitch on the inside part of the plate like and then that forced Hernandez to throw on the outside part of the plate and coincidentally Ozuna got a base hit so it's like yo I'm sick and tired of these guys trying to manipulate how the hell pitchers got to pitch like they're major league pitchers let him do what he's got to do get over it Braves yeah was, he's already Arrhenia already had a few control issues particularly in that first innings he was missing the plate by a long way to the first uh first few batters and I think he hit he hit Freeman later on in the game so you know his his misses were were not on the corners so it's not a surprise that one got in a little too far and caught the elbow. First start back, bro. It's his first start of the season. Yeah. Give the guy a break. Jesus. Anyway, so moving on, guys. Uh, you know, I'm, just, I'm used to my, my man, Red, my co-partner, kind of, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, moving it along for me. Uh, anyway, so we're moving on. And uh, what do you guys think of Miguel Rojas? Had hell one hell of a day his dad's birthday today shout out to his father um guy went four for four game winning rbi and this is a guy that really like has established himself as a, a team leader the team captain the heart of soul of this miami marlins club cooper at second and that is sent to right center 
And that is going to fall. Open real estate there for Miguel Rojas to bring in a run. And here comes another. The Marlins strike. Anderson will hold up at third. It's 5-4 Miami. What a day for Miguel Rojas, huh? Oh, this is your man. unsung hero. This is your captain of your team. This is your guy. I mean, what a day. I think that he's at his peak right now. He's 31 years old. He's going to turn 32 when, when opening day starts next year. This is a guy that he's, he's took the baton from Martin Prado, and he's been a, a great role model for the guys in the clubhouse. That being said, I don't think this guy is going to be around for the next two, three years. I think that we got to make room, whether it's a Jazz, whether it's an Isan, whether it's an Eddie, Eddie Alvarez, whether it's nobody that's in this organization right now. There's going to be a time where the Marlins are going to have to make a move. I'm saying, hey, Miguel Rojas, we don't necessarily got to get rid of the guy. I'm not saying get rid of him, but I'm not frowning about, hey, maybe he goes back to being a super utility guy how he was in the past. He plays one hell of a defensive uh, position at shortstop. For sure, hands down. But if you put him on another ball club, you, you're telling me that, you know, the Yankees are going to put him there over, you know, a Glaber Torres? They're not going to do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Any other ball club that they're going to trade for Miguel Rojas is going to go there to help out and they're going to put him in multiple positions. So it's not ludicrous what I'm saying. So yeah. I'm, not coming at, I'm not coming at Miggy Rowe. I love Miggy Rowe. I'm just saying, like, there's going to there's gonna be a time. Like, why did we make this trade? Why do we trade away a Zach Gallon for a Jazz if we're not going to give him the opportunity? There's going to come a time and a place where you got to give these times playing time. You know what I'm saying? We got a Jesus Aguilar right now. We got a Garrett Cooper at first base, but Lewin Diaz got to get, get his rips in. Same thing goes for Jesus Sanchez. All these guys got to get their rips in and we got to see, all right, are they worth it? They're not worth it. And we got some value and we got to see what the hell we got to do. But I think you bring up a great point because I do think you have to figure out that, that fine line between how, how where are we going to put jazz going forward? But you have to really consider yourself Miguel Rojas for the next three years is probably the better player. And so if they plan on competing for the next three years, then Miguel Rojas is probably the best person to have the shortstop position. Like you also said, he, he played second base today. I don't think he looked that bad. Is that there is a gap in second base in which I believe there's a long-term spot available. Is Jazz Chisholm the short-term solution maybe to second base? Possibly. And then maybe he shifts over to Miguel Rojas whenever he leaves. Um, I definitely think it's something that has to be considered, though. But I don't think the Marlins expected Miguel Rojas to make this leap that he's made. I mean, look at him. He's batting 375 with like a 440 on base percentage in 19 games. It's, I mean, it's kind of a small sample size, but one third of the season, he's dominating completely. I think we're, I feel what you're saying, but I feel like at the same time, we're jumping the gun. Like, we can't really evaluate guys on a full season on 60 games. Like, right now, this is an amazing experience that these guys are getting. We're in the middle of a playoff run and a playoff stretch, you know, and this is an amazing experience for all these guys. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what are we going to do? There's going to there's gonna come a moment where it's like, yo, we got to bust moves. Like, you 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 can't yeah. judge you can't judge Isan right now. Isan said he didn't want to play because of the whole pandemic. We're in the middle of a world pandemic. We still no cure for the coronavirus, so you can't blame him for going away and thinking about his health. And now he had a second. He had to change of heart. Nick Nick Markakis from the Braves had to change of heart. He said he wasn't going to play, and now he's playing. And like, look at him. Like it's it's valid that that he had a change of heart. He's going to come back and play, and maybe he gets hot and he plays for ten games, and it's awesome. We get into the playoffs, and Isan helps us ride the wave. Maybe he. he goes cold he doesn't do anything you know what i'm saying but yeah. we can't judge him it's too early it's a short season like if the Marlins win the world series judge, yeah 
Like, I, I don't need to judge him because I've already judged him. Like, I, I know what Isan Diaz's problems is. He has really bad time in the pitch recognition. Are you telling me him sitting out for this extended period of games, missing those opportunities and not facing elite-level pitching that the team's been facing so far? I mean, that's really going to hurt your future going moving forward. And I think it's fair to judge him for – I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say he's wrong for opting out. Do you? But he definitely gave up the opportunity and has given the room for someone else to take that spot long term because he still has swing and miss issues and concerns. And so you don't think it's a little premature? You don't think it's a little premature to judge a guy who's only played 50, 51 games in a major league career? Just 51 um, games. Think, that's all he's played. No, I think it's fair to judge him what he is right now as the team pushes towards the playoffs. Long term, yes, he can fix anything. But what I'm saying is right now, he's given the opportunity to someone else to prove that they are better. I believe it. Hey, he can change. Cause like you said, what is he? 23. He has the potential to change anything and change his dynamics and do it. I mean, Justin Turner wasn't very good. I think until he was like 28 and he went through a drastic swing change. So yeah, he has the room for growth, but you don't, as a major league player, you never know when that spot's coming back to you. And there's a good chance. Don Madeline loves him from John birdie. So, I mean, if John birdie's second baseman moving forward, are you surprised? John birdie's an, another interesting piece that people forget about. You know what I'm saying? He's a super utility guy. You, can, you got the luxury of putting him wherever you want. And you said it yourself, John Birdie's playing Birdie ball. And if he keeps it up, like, why take him out of the lineup? Well, Birdie's the sort of player that I would like in the lineup every day, but somewhere else in the lineup. I know we've been a bit of a bugbear of the Mattingly Sunday lineup when, oh, let's give everybody a rest on the same day. And it just results in the Marlins field in a weaker lineup um, that isn't as competitive as it always should be. What I'd like is Bertie to be giving the second baseman a rest on Monday, the shortstop a rest on Tuesday, the outfielder a rest on Friday, and just moving around because he plays all positions well. I don't think he's A-plus in any defensive position, but you can slot him in anywhere and you'll get a, a solid outing from him. He was fine at third base tonight. He'll be fine in the outfield um, later on in the series. But once all these youngsters have made their way through, I don't think there's going to be a place for Bertie and Rojas on the same roster because you're going to want a few more specialist bats. I don't think Bertie hits well enough to be a pinch hitter. And if Rojas is covering all the infield positions, well, you've always got Brian Anderson that can go to the outfield if you need that extra outfielder. So I think Bertie's going to be the odd one out in a couple of years. And I don't think his hitting is going to keep him around. But I like what he offers to the team right now. How about Sterling Marte? Huh? It's been a oh. whole party since he got over here. He's been doing pretty good as a fish. He gave us that uh that home run at Marlins Park. He gave us a home run the other day. And uh I'll tell you what, man, he's gave he's given this Marlins lineup uh, uh that potent bat that it needed. A little bit of more a little bit more kick to it. You know what I'm saying? A little bit more luxury, a little bit more pop, a little bit more speed. And uh it kind of feels like a new car. It feels nice driving out of the lot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, batting average isn't everything, but I look down the Braves lineup and you see all the guys hitting in the 300s, hitting 290. Same sort of thing with the Mets lineup as well. And you look through the Marlins lineup and just being able to plonk 305, 310, 320, whatever it is he's, he's up to now, right at the heart of that order, it just makes it look more dangerous. And when you pack the home run power around that with Aguiar and then Anderson afterwards, it's it's a middle of the lineup that you're going to fear. You know, who was looking forward to facing, you know, 9-1-2 in the Braves lineup in today's game? Not me, not at all. Other teams are going to think that about the Marlins lineup because 
they can hurt you. And just that one extra bat really does make the whole lot of difference. What's VR going to do? Yeah, he might stingle, he might steal second. Marte is going to hit it out of the park. He's already got one game winner and uh, he's contributed in, uh, in other ways as well since. I have a quick question. I, I, said, I tweeted this out today. I said, is, is Monte Harrison ceiling Starling Marte? Ceiling Starling Marte. That's a cool ceiling. Yeah, that's a great ceiling, right? From what, yeah. I, from what I've read and heard, you know, sort of minor league reports, I think he'll be a better base runner and a more effective base dealer long term. I'm not sure if his power... Reminder, Marte has gotten two 40 still seasons before and... What do you think is going to happen with Harold Ramirez, man? Devastating loss. Harold came back. The first day he came back, made an immediate impact, got a single up the middle, RBI, happy for my guy. And then he just had a freak accident, pulled the hammy, and uh, we lost him for the year. High chopper to third. Low. And no. Oh, no. And Harold down in pain. We'll step aside and check in on Harold when we come back. Uh, we wish him a, a steady, uh, super quick recovery. And uh, we'll see you next season. Uh, shout out to Matt Joyce, man. I, I don't, I, I, I keep thinking, like, why the hell is Matt Joyce batting fourth? But hey, man, he keeps connecting with base hits and driving and runs. So just connecting with professional at bat. Shout out to Matt Joyce. Even getting hits off lefties now as well. Definitely. I think right. I think I think it's unfortunate that Harold Ramirez, I think he kind of fell victim to the stop start, stop start kind of thing. And then him being in a major league game going full speed, hustling it out as he does. I just think it, it was too much, too quick. And I think it, there was nothing he could have actually done about it whatsoever to prevent the injury. And it's just that's the way the season's gone. You see it with pitchers. A lot of them are injured all throughout the majors. And just to see him, and you also saw Garrett Cooper also, I believe, was dealing with the quad issue. Both of them, you know, soft tissue. They were just, you know, running, hustling. Makes me actually wonder, what are they doing down there in the alternate training site? You know, making sure they're getting 100% to game speed because that's two guys coming straight off the COVID-19 IL and both having soft tissue injuries pretty much right away. But they were the last two hitters to come off the COVID list. So they weren't being rushed back in the same way that some of the others were. They were out of the Marlins uh, lineup for a lot longer than some others. So I think had they been brought back into the lineup at, you know, the start of August, middle of August, then that would seem a bit soon. They came in end of August. That should have been enough time. Um, You know, if their recovery from the illness has been, the usual amount of time that those who've recovered from it, if they followed the same sort of pattern, they'll have had a couple of weeks to get back up to speed. Yeah, it's not a full spring training, but it should be long enough that you're not susceptible to a muscle pull when you run down the first base. I think you brought up a great point, though, to that as well, on which they were the last ones called up. They were the last two major leaguers down there waiting for their call up. You don't think that it just nags on you a little bit? Like, when's my time? You know, you're not working out with other major leaguers. You're working out with players that aren't even really going to be called up to the majors like J.J. Bidet and Carcione, where it's just kind of one of those things. They're not being pushed by other major leaguers. You know, it's, I don't know what the kind of tempo is down there, but if they kind of fell victim of, like, when are we coming up? And if they got complacent, then – I mean, which I don't know. I don't know. This is just theorizing stuff. I'm just curious on what's going on down there. I am. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Definitely. Well, uh, going to this stretch now, man, we're going to see a lot of different pitchers, man, and we're going to have our eyes turned to... Jordan Yamamoto. What do you expect of Jordan Yamamoto? Did he reach his ceiling? Do we expect a comeback? I mean, we need him to bring his A game. Um, no chance to see him again, I don't think. No chance? I'd be, I'd be shocked, honestly. Who, who do you think the Marlins are calling up to to help us pitch? For these uh, Nick Nider's next. Nick Snyder, Nick Nider and Daniel Castano are the next two. I mean, Nick Nider's he's pretty much already almost there. And with a seven-inning game, you can kind of get away with someone throwing about 70, to 70 pitches, which he's sitting right now at about 65. Um, so, yeah, definitely I think Nick Nider and Daniel Castano, who's, you know, Castano's already proven, and Nick Nider would have been a, a quick call-up if this would have been a regular season. And he wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten knocked out. Great. Well, looking ahead, man. Uh, the Marlins are going to face the Braves. They got two more games against the Braves, um, including Roberto Clemente Day on Wednesday. Uh, then we got to gear up for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Is that is that right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games against the Phillies. Holy cow! And yeah. one, two, three, four, seven five games. Days. Yeah, holy cow! So we're going to see a lot of Phillies. We're going to go on that Philly cheesesteak diet. Just start eating Phillies. And make sure that we go on a win streak. Uh, this is going to be a big series, and it's we got to at least. It's going to decide I mean, the East for sure. Yeah, I don't second know place, if it, second it, place I don't, at minimum second place. I mean, it it, it all depends because right after we get out of that Philly series, we're going to go see the Red Sox, or the Red Sox are going to come visit us, and then we have the Nationals. So this is going to be the Love last it. home stand for the Marlins. I, I view that seven-game series as just a warm-up for the seven games we'll play in the World Series. So, nice seven-game series to get us prepped for uh, October. Hey, man, the road there is not easy, but along the way, we got to knock out the Red Sox, the Phillies, the Nats, the Braves once again, and the Yankees. The Yankees aren't that powerhouse team. They're, they're beat up. The Red Sox are having a terrible season. So, the road is not impossible. We can definitely achieve it. We're playing. We're back at 500. We're back at 500. You know, we're 18 and 18 and things are looking up, man. It's it's it, we can't throw the flag yet. Marlins Nation we're right in the playoff race right now. And this is the beauty of it, man. I can't tell you the last time we were really in the playoff race like this. The excitement that's going through our blood. You know what I'm saying? It's it's great. I was I was jumping on the couch when we got the base and we took the lead and everything. And talk to me about this freaking new rule, right? The new rule in extra innings, right? It stung us the other day against the Rays. 
the, the Rays walked off on us. And then today we were able to seal the deal against the Braves. Personally, myself, I talked to a lot of people and nine out of 10 people that I talked to that love baseball hate it. Jonathan, how do you feel about the new rule? For this year, I love it. For next year, if things are back to normal, I hate it. The whole point of this new rule is to get the game over with. And the four extra inning games we've had all decided in the 10th. None of them have dragged on. So in that sense, it's done its job. Long term, no. You play normally, play till there's a winner. But if we're trying to get the games done quickly, it's brilliant. It does its job. I I like the excitement. I don't think the Marlins have always managed the situations particularly well. Um, But it's, it's doing its job, and I've no problem with it. I would hate for a playoff game to be decided this way, and I would hate for a game in 2021 and beyond to be decided this way. But right now, uh, not a problem for me. What about you, Tyler? I personally uh, hate it. Uh, okay. See, I'm actually – I don't mind it, but I want to see a balance between – because the pitchers are at a completely disadvantage. I want to see the hitters start of the 0-1 count, for all three, all three outs, just because I think it is such an advantage to have a person on second that you should be able to, as a pitcher, also have an advantage to try and balance it out. Because I think just starting to own a zero out of the man on second, I think it's too difficult. Um, but other than that, I, I really don't actually hate it. But I do I do wish that pitchers would – managers would start actually putting their strikeout specialist in that 10th inning. Because ball guy, you know, you, you kind of need to have strikeout specialists for the, for the 10th inning because strikeouts – truly are important the most in that extra inning. It's a little bit more valuable to have a strikeout guy, I'd say, if you're pitching the top of an inning. But if you're pitching the bottom of the inning, then you know what run matters. So for the Marlins in you know today's situation, the, the first run, we've got to stop them getting around. So once they're on third, you know, you you can put a guy on first and bring the double play into play. Because, you know, they're not going to score from first on a single and, the you know, the time run is going to score anyway on the base hit. So a ground ball pitcher, I think, provides a little bit more value. Yeah, you still want the strikeout guy, but I certainly don't think it's a problem for us to have uh, a guy who specializes in ground balls and double plays because, you know, we saw it uh, in the ninth day. Listen, man, I know it's, it's the pandemic and everything. We want to get rid of the games a lot quicker. We want to finish them and shit. But, man, I think it's whack. Like, I don't know, man. We're messing with the integrity of the game. Like, we're just doing things that are, that weren't part of the game, like the essence of the game. We all fell in love with the sport of baseball, how it was. Why are we messing with it right now? Like, you're telling me, oh, because they're going to play, uh, the game's going to be over quicker. Yes, it's going to be over quicker. But, like, how is it that the guy that just struck out is now at second base? Like, it's whack. Now he's celebrating that he scored the winning run. Like, that's lame to me. Like, I don't know, bro. Like, I, maybe it's just the old school in me, but I don't know. Um, You're looking uh, forward to a pair of seven inning double headers then uh, this week. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, like the seven, the the, the seven inning double header. Like I understand it. Yeah, it helps. You know, with the guys, the wearing tear and everything. But to me, I feel incomplete. Like it's uh, drinking like three quarters of a beer and letting the rest sit. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, dude, you got to drink the whole thing. Like I'm, I feel incomplete. Once again, I know we're in the middle of a pandemic and we got to adapt, but. I don't know, man. I just feel like, why don't we just play the full nine? Just do it. But, I mean, are you ready for this? I think the Marlins are a better seven-inning team than they are a nine-inning team. Like, if you're going to throw Pablo Lopez out there, he can go five or six. Sandy, five or six. Six, that was already proven. He can go the distance. So, now I got got starters that can just go that far. I don't even have to expose my bullpen. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's that's the difference of this season. I mean, that ultimately, if we do slip into the playoffs, which I freaking pray to the baseball guys every single day, like I got my man, I got over here, look, yeah, I got my man, uh, Brian Anderson over here. We got the pain, shout out to Emily, you know, and uh, man, I'm, I'm just hoping like that we really, we can keep it together. Like we got the pitching, the office is starting to click and like we just got, we got to get these guys to stay healthy. Like Corey Dickerson, like, he, he was slightly like he had a couple home runs against Tampa, but like the the ABs haven't been very impressive to me, like how how I really want them to. I think it's interesting that Donnie put him at leadoff, and it's cool. Maybe that's gonna help him start clicking. Um, I'm still not convinced with the four hitter, but if it's working, you know, with Joyce, leave him there. Whatever. Um, I wanted to talk briefly about this. Uh, everybody's always attacking the umpires, right? Because they're doing a terrible job. And rightfully so, we have to voice our opinion. But what do you guys think about, instead of just doing the whole electronical strike zone, right? People were talking about, oh, the electronical strike zone, get rid of the home plate umpire. Why don't we just have some guy like an umpire sitting in the in, in somewhere in the stadium with the feed, and he can watch the same feed everybody's watching. You, you see the little square box, and he can say, all right, ball, strike. And he's just seeing the same thing that all the people are watching on TV and there's less room for error. You know what I'm saying? Like only, I'm just saying maybe just for home plate. Um, and then you leave the the real human ones down the first baseline and down the third baseline. I don't know what, I, it was just a thought that, a random thought. What do you guys think about that? Well, I've um, sort of thought about this quite a bit because sort of, you know, the number of games where the Marlins have had when it really does feel like a lot of ball fours were called strike threes in big moments. You know, feel we've been on the uh, on the thick end of things. Uh, a couple yeah, we of just recently. Yeah, we just recently lost the game against the Rays. We got a, yeah. a three-two count. John Birdie got called strike three on a ball that was clearly a uh, ball four. We would have tied the game up. Like it's just some BS. Yeah, and earlier on, the Rays had um, got ball four um, on a pitch in exactly the same place to walk in the tying run to make it two-two. So the two biggest ball strike calls of the game both went against the Marlins. You can still have the home plate umpire there. You just need to put an earpiece in that buzzes when the pitches a strike. And if he hears the buzz, he gives it the strike call. And if it's not, he gives it the ball call. So you can still have the human there to sort of control the game. If you know you still want them to, to be there and manage the players and you know keep a lid on the back chat and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I actually enjoyed watching today's game a little bit more when they took the strike zone off, it looked like they were having some problems with it because the pitch was appearing before it had actually thrown in the first inning. And then when they came back for the for the second, the strike zone had gone. And just watching those pitches get called for balls and strikes, I just sort of went along and thought, yeah, that probably was a strike. That probably was a ball. I think actually putting the strike zone on just amps up how frustrated we get when there's just a a ball that misses by the tiniest little bit or a strike that just catches the play and it doesn't go our way. When that line's not there, we don't know any better. So I watched today's game a lot calmer than I have in previous ones, just because I didn't know if there was a blown call on. I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like it just comes with the years. Like I feel like I, I have the little, I loved when they implemented the, the little square box into the TV and I mean, you have like a general knowledge of what the strike zone is, is from your elbows to, to your knees. So 
I mean, I just get frustrated that these guys miss like obvious freaking calls. That's that's all that grinds my gears. You know what I'm saying? I feel like you want kind of what I want, and we just want not really electronic strike zone. We just want better umpires because that's yeah. really the problem. We just want better yeah, like- umpires. But I also kind of agree with you, Jonathan. I like not having a strike zone on t- on TV. I actually really liked because I think everything was more clear back there, and you could kind of see the catcher more. I liked it a lot, actually. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, what about- I would suggest is if you could use your challenge, doesn't have to be on a safe at first play or a call at second or fair foul in the outfield. If you could use your challenge on a ball strike call, obviously you're only going to get one of them, and you've got to get it right. Make sure the dugout doesn't have access to any TVs to to see. Oh, yeah, the TV picture shows us that was a ball. We can challenge it. Um, but if a hitter knows I've been screwed over on that call, let him challenge it. And if you blow it, that's your one for the game. But if you can challenge safe at first, which can be just as big a play, why not challenge uh, a you know a third strike or a ball four call? What you guys think about uh, Brandon Kinsley? This is his second consecutive blown save. Is it time to panic? Should we panic? Is it cool? I don't think it's time to panic. I think we're cool. Like, it's all right that he he's entitled to blow a couple games here and there. But uh, if, 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 if he continues to blow games, who does Don Manley look to to close out? I mean, do we look at uh, Richard Blair, the left-handed pitcher? Or we go another route, maybe you tell Rainier, hey, go in there and close out the games for me. I don't think we're going to have space in our rotation to take Rainier out of it. Um, I wouldn't necessarily want Hoyt to be moved there because I like Hoyt as the fireman coming into the, the the big leverage situations. And, you know, no bigger today than, you know, bases loaded and Ozuna at the plate. And, uh, you know, he got the job done. I want him there for those late sixth, seventh, eighth inning emergencies because I don't want to wait for a ninth inning save opportunity that doesn't come because Ozuna's already cleared the bases earlier on in the game. So I don't want Hoyt to move. I want him to keep doing his thing in the late innings. Um, I think it's more likely that Boxberg would just move up from eight to nine if they were going to put, uh, they were going to move somebody else. I think they were kind of hoping that Blyer's still going to be, uh, be a lefty specialist as much as you can be with a three batter minimum. I'm kind of on the same boat I've been on the whole season whenever he was signed. Like, Brandon Kinsler really isn't the best closer. He's just kind of the best option the team has. There is no elite closer really on the entire roster. So it's just kind of one of those things where Manuel's just had to pick one and it's had to been him. But I definitely think Brad Boxberger would be the next in line for anything just because of Manuel's just willing to go to the veterans. Just like he went to Kinsler straight to the closer role and went straight to Boxberger for the setup role, I think he'll just do the same thing again. But it shows how far the Marlins have come and the fact that we're in a playoff race, how well our closers performing really matters to us now. It's not the difference between 55 and 58 wins. It's the difference between the playoff spot and not. So closers matter to us now, and that's a, it's a nice position to be in for the first time in a while. Let's see. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Tyler. No, I just, I was just saying, yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's just I don't, I don't think the closers on the roster yet. I think they're gonna have to, if they're gonna be serious on contention, I think they're gonna have to acquire one. Someone on there is going to be the closer that you can go to in a playoff game and say you got us because I don't think it's on the roster.
Well, guys, that'll do it for today's episode of Marlins Barbecue. We want to thank Jonathan Fernley for joining us, Tyler Wilson. Um, you want to give us your uh, final thoughts, Jonathan? Anything you want to say? A speech to the boys? A message to Marlins Nation? To to Marlins? We're gonna go on a run, bro. Say, tell them, give them the speech. They're gonna hear it. Why are we looking at the Phillies in second place? Why are we not looking at the Braves in first place? You see that game's back number. It came down today. It'll come down tomorrow. It'll keep coming down. I'm not just settling for a playoff place. Thinking, oh, we've dropped down to ninth. No, we're going to catch these Braves. We're going to get in that top three. The Braves, yeah, they've got some top hitters, but they haven't got the pitching to live with the Marlins starting pitching. And the Marlins starting pitching is ready to roll, and we're going to see that over the next few weeks. We're going to see it from Sandy. We're going to see it from Pablo. We're definitely going to see it from Sixto. This team is uh, is going on a run, and I don't think the Braves and the Phillies are going to be able to live with us over the next three weeks. No chitty Sixto. No chitty Sixto. Coming up. Absolutely. Tyler, what's your message? Oh, my message to Marlins Nation is kind of off you. I, I definitely think people are concerned about the Phillies series because I think they actually think the Phillies are the best team in the division. Um, but at least that's what I believe. Uh, my second thought is actually it's going to be, are we sure Brian Anderson is worth a six-year extension? Are we sure that he's the answer to third base? I know the team doesn't actually have an answer for right now, but is he actually the answer moving forward? I think it's something you actually got to think about because he, I think he is a good player, but is he a transitional talent that's going to push the team to the edge? I don't know that elite slugger, and I don't think the elite slugger is on the team yet. All right. Well, Jonathan, you have a Twitter handle, or where can people find you on social media? Yeah, you can get me at JJ Fernley. All right, JJ Fernley, you had it. Tyler, you want to tell us your Twitter handle, social media, where we can find you at? Uh, this is the at King of Buffalo, and I'm not from Buffalo, if you ever ask. So you can follow <laughs> me, and I'll put out some interesting content, occasionally have some hot takes that some people may or may not agree with, uh, but at least I'll have some reasoning behind it. That's right, guys. And for more information, man, make sure you guys check out fishstripes.com for some awesome posts cool podcasts, more analysis, and some uh, pretty cool, interesting stuff. Uh, anyway, man, let's go fish. And, uh, hey, hope everybody had a great Labor Day weekend. Let's ride that wave, baby. Eli, cue the music, baby. Mm-hmm.